Amen. Um, you know, there are, uh, there are people who wear toboggans because they have personal style. Uh, Dale, our worship pastor, uh, Chris, that often plays in our praise band. Um, there's people that wear toboggans because they're, they're working outside, they're, they're cold, and they're doing hard work. Uh, you'll see them all over our city and our county right now with uh, Duke Energy and other power companies that are coming in to help. Um, there's also people that wear toboggans because they haven't had power since Friday. Uh, and, and, and they've had a hat on for two days, and it's, it's, it's not safe to be filmed in the condition that they're in. Um, I would categorize myself in that group. That, that's where I am this morning. So um, wherever you are, I, I pray that you're watching this. You're, you're able to just take moments um, as, as Dale just let us in and, and really worship. Uh, I know it's, it's maybe odd to feel like you're singing there where you are because you're not in, in church service. Uh, but, the, but the heart of what he does every week, I know, as he prepares and prays over it, um, is just to allow you and help you with the opportunity to, to help guide, help lead. Um, so wherever you are, I pray that you had those moments. Uh, we are not going to be in our, our Acts series this morning. Uh, there's a message that we're right on the, the doorstep of in Acts chapter 4, and this is going to be a difficult week, I know, for all of us to really gather around that message. So this morning, I, I believe that God has a great truth for us out of Matthew chapter 8. As we're in this passage, um, we're going to see Jesus coming off of one of the greatest sermons, if not the greatest sermon that we ever have recorded. We, we surely don't have the whole thing, uh, but he's coming off of the Sermon on the Mount. And, and in be the beginning of chapter 8, um, there are people that just hearing what he said are just really called to a response. Some of them really are ready to follow him. Some of them are really just still trying to check this guy out and see what he's about. Um, there are definitely some seekers. There are definitely some people that are really becoming faithful in that crowd. Um, it probably looks a little bit like a, a, a religious following, a church uh, body that we would see even in present day, those that are really discovering and journeying in their faith. There's one specific person, though, that's really not part of the crowd that, that comes up to Jesus in the beginning of chapter 8, and we have just really a brief part of his story but an incredible part of his story recorded for us to read about and really take some truth for our own life. It begins this way. When he came down, that he being Jesus, when he came down from the mountain, large crowds followed him. Right away, a man with leprosy came up and knelt before him. Now, th there's a statement that, that, that this man is getting ready to make to Jesus, but before he makes that statement, just in that first part that we read, a man with leprosy immediately came down and knelt before Jesus. This would have, if you, if you look at the, the movement of people and Jesus and his disciples after this incredible sermon that touched on so many different topics, really explaining what it meant in heart to live for the Lord in faith, in Jesus, he, he really opens up a lot of people's minds in this preaching. If you look at this as a movement, this man represents the breaks that, that were stomped on to bring everything to an immediate momentary halt. Now, I don't know how much of the Old Testament um, you have gone back and read and really studied through. There are certain chapters in the Old Testament when, when we start to read it and we almost kind of lose our energy when it really comes to reading the Word of God. Um, maybe we don't understand it. Maybe it seems very cultural. Maybe it seems like it's a lot of just recorded names in history. But if you go back to um, the book of Leviticus, which has so much of what we understand the law being, 
Um, in Leviticus chapter 13, the entire chapter is on skin conditions. Um, so if you ever um, wanted to read just a, a, a biblical uh, approach and, and statement on anything that looks like acne, it oozes and it scabs. Leviticus chapter 13 is your chapter. Um, if you like watching some weird videos on YouTube or Facebook or wherever you watch them, uh, maybe Leviticus is, is just the reading that you've been looking for. In, within the law that God gave his people, the Israelites, um, he, he didn't just give them a set of rules to live by. The law represented something specific. In large part, the law represented this understanding that as a people, they were unable to live faithfully enough to stay close to the presence of God because they just simply lived right. It, the, the law showed them their need for God, for a Savior. There was also some parts of the law that really helped them in a tangible way understand how God saw and thought about and how serious he was on certain issues. When it came to, when it comes to everything that's in Leviticus chapter 13, and, and, and there's some very, very descriptive writings on things that you see on people's skin. They used physical cleanliness, um, skin disease, when people took baths at certain times based on when they were in contact with something or someone. They use physical cleanliness and physical hygiene as a tangible understanding of the effect of sin. They could see when someone was dirty. They could see when someone that had a disease, you, you came into contact with them, and, and perhaps that was feared to be contagious. They could see that existing in the world, and, and, they, and God made really a, a real easy analogy with that too, how sin attaches to our life. There's a statement about these skin diseases that people dealt with and, and, and dealt with for lengths of time that I want to read to you this morning, um, out of Leviticus 13, it says this. He, and this is speaking about a person who, who has contracted a disease. You, you can see it. You know it's there. It says this. He will remain unclean as long as he has the disease. He is unclean. He must live alone in a place outside the camp. Consider that as not just a statement about something like leprosy, but consider that as a statement about sin. As long as we are sick and, and we have sin in our life, when we are lost and when we are without Christ, we really almost just basically exist as that sin. We, we are the guilt that is keeping us from a true and close relationship with God through Jesus Christ. So I don't think it's any accident that in God's plan, when a, when a religious movement was really cranking up and really going forward, that the brakes were put on by someone who physically represented sin. Someone who physically had this idea that they were unclean, they were unworthy, they needed to be outside of what was going on. Now, interestingly, uh, when we think about Christian communion, we're, and, and we're, we're, we've been in the book of Acts for a while, and we're thinking about what does it mean to live with Jesus in us, and, and a big part of that is how do we live together with each of us having the Holy Spirit. Um, interestingly, even though in Leviticus it said in, in, in 13 that they are basically an individual outcast, even these people who were cast out to be alone craved connection so much that they would begin to form colonies really at the risk of perhaps their body would, would heal, 
perhaps their immune system would be able to defeat what they had, they would still enter into colonies with other sick people because the, the, the desire, the desire that was, that was within them was not just to be connected with God, but also to be connected with others. Well, this individual with great boldness approaches Jesus. And, and I want you to really listen to his words as he approached Jesus. He says this, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, um, I would say that there's a, a couple things that go on in our life often. Um, one is this idea of, of, of what are the things that keep us from really coming to the Lord. Sometimes it's busyness. Sometimes we realize that we have built a schedule for ourselves that is occupied with so many different things that in that busyness, we simply kind of convince ourselves or we, or we numb ourselves to this need that we have to really set aside a time to come to the Lord, to read his word, to spend time with him, to fellowship with him, to really be in his presence and, and just exist there for a while. It's, 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 it's a need that we really have because if, if that's where our belonging is, that's where our citizenship is in heaven, if that's who, where our identity is, it would only make sense that we would spend time really with him. Sometimes it's our busyness that, that, that keeps us from really going into his presence. Sometimes it's um, the guilt that we carry. We look in the mirror and we don't like what we see. Not something just physically that we want to change, but, but we, we see a set of decisions that we've made, or maybe even one decision. Or we just see a lifestyle that we've kind of patterned ourselves into, and we, and we feel like maybe we're just a little bit on the outside, and our enemy Satan really wants to convince us we're just a little on the outside of, of really deserving to be in our Heavenly Father's presence. So there, there is this, this category that happens of what keeps us from really coming to the Lord. But then there's, there's another category, and in that category, we, we have the things that, that really propel us and push us into his presence, that, that call us into his presence, that really motivate us to say, this is what I need. Now, for this individual, I think it's so unique, and I think for us to be in a season of life where we're studying in the book of Acts to figure out what does it mean to live with Jesus in us, I, I, would, I would suggest that we take really seriously this statement. Because to the point that this individual kneels down at Jesus' feet, he realizes he has complete faith in what Jesus can do. Um, he has, he's, done his, he's done his homework. No doubt that he has listened to Jesus, maybe from a, maybe from a distance, maybe even cloaked and, and wearing garments that would hide his sickness so that he could hear some of what Jesus was teaching. He, he no doubt heard about miracles acts that were performed by Jesus, maybe even some that we don't have recorded, but, but happened as Jesus traveled, as he dealt with people. This man had done enough homework, and, and God had revealed enough to him that this was Jesus, this was God's son, and, and the confidence that he had in Jesus brought him to Jesus. Now, if you notice, he didn't say, um, Jesus, I know you can do this, so do it. He didn't say, Jesus, because you have already healed me, or because um, things are, are already looking up, I'm coming to you. He didn't even say, Jesus, I, I've hit rock bottom. I've got nowhere else to look, so I'm coming to you. What brought him to Jesus was a sincere faith in what Jesus could do. And, and he entered his presence with this idea of, if Jesus is willing, then he can do what I need and, and desire in my body. But I would argue that, that with this phrasing, and when you really go back and you, you study the, the original language and the structure of it, 
He does, he's not saying that it's only worth coming to Jesus if he gets healed. What was worth coming to Jesus was the faith that he had and all that Jesus could do. Now, um, for the last couple of days, like many of you, uh, we've been without power at the house. And last night, Saturday, as we got back home and as we were settling in, um, the temperature had come down in the house. And like many people, uh, it, it was a lot lower than what we wanted to sleep in. And our boys came to us. Now, normal nights, you know, they can almost kind of put themselves to bed. We, we tell them good night. We like to pray with them. We do those, those kind of disciple-making, parenting things like many of us do on occasion or hopefully regularly. Um, but but as, we, as we normally put them to bed and sometimes let them to kind of go to bed alone depending on what's going on the next morning, last night was very different. Last night they didn't, they didn't have the confidence. They kind of came to us like, what is this going to look like? How are we going to sleep? Um, what do we need to do to get ready to really go to bed to be warm? You know, when they came to us, they didn't come to me as their father going, okay, Dad, I need you to cut the power back on or really believing that, that I could put the power, cut the power back on or that I could immediately make them warm. They came to me with the confidence that because I, I really believe that they knew that I have great love for them, that, that I care for them, that I want them well, they came to me just going, okay, Dad, you can do something here, so if you're willing, if, you're, if you'll take the time, I know that I can sleep tonight and I'll be warm based on how you'll care for me. And I think many times we have to pause in our life and we really need to ask ourselves, are we coming into the presence of the Lord? Are we really seeking Him just out of faith and knowing what He can do without the stipulations of saying, Jesus, I expect you to do this. Or you must do this for me to still pattern my life this way. I believe that God wants to act in certain situations desperately and He's waiting on us to come to Him. And, and I believe that we can see why in this act, Jesus said so quickly and so confidently that, yes, I am willing. If we continue reading, it says this. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him, saying, I am willing, be made clean. Immediately, his leprosy was cleansed. Now, remember, leprosy represented sin. It carried with it a physical representation and the idea of, of the sickness that sin has on our body and puts into our body. It's this thing, as, as, as we look back in Leviticus 13, that, that people just had to be apart from family because there was no cure. And it, our sin keeps us apart from God because there is no cure other than what Jesus does for us. So I think Jesus was very, very ready in this moment to say, yes, I am willing because he could do something in this moment that would, that, that would be the gospel going forward, not just into this guy's life, but into the culture that was around him. Yes, he's willing, and yes, he wants to act. So when he touches him, representative of sin, just like in salvation, our sins of the past are forgiven. This guy's condition of his past is forgiven immediately. We don't wait on forgiveness. It comes immediately to us. And notice what Jesus then tells him. He says, then Jesus told him, see that you don't tell anyone. Now, that, that seems odd if you're into self-promotion, if you're into moving the movement forward, if you want to pick back up um, the excitement about what's happening. It, it seems odd that, that he would tell him, don't go tell anyone. Now, Consider this, is, he, is, he try, is his goal here mainly to keep this event private? Well, I, 
this guy really put the brakes on the crowd coming around Jesus. But, but human character and, and human um, interaction is pretty consistent all through the ages. While people may not have wanted to rush to put their hands on this guy, uh, while people didn't want to necessarily say, hey, let me be the first to help you up or to shake your hand or to give you a greeting card, while they may not have been the first person to rush to his aid or to get him something to eat, no doubt as they stepped back, they stayed to see what happened. I mean, think about this. Jesus now in this moment wasn't just the one that they were listening to teach. They were watching him for what he was going to do. And when he healed this man and told him to don't go tell people, there were already people around that knew. There were already people around that understood what had happened. So let's, let's keep up to see what Jesus was really after here. But go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Okay, uh, back in Leviticus, what we read in there carries all the way to the current moment that Jesus was living in and further. It was not just religious, it had become cultural. For someone to be considered clean, for someone to be considered healed, they needed to go back in front of a priest to remove their clothing, to have every inch of their skin examined so that if they were truly clean, they could come out of their life of being alone, out of their life of living in this colony of lepers. They could enter into society. They could work. They could be with family. They could reconnect with all the meaningful relationships that they had missed. But they had to be completely examined. Now, if you look at Leviticus, part of this examination would have taken hope in that just the, the things on his skin looked healthier. There were stages of kind of slow um, examination and, and seven-day and seven-week pauses to where people could go back in slowly into society and could kind of exist in this middle ground. But, but, but I believe that Jesus wanted this man to be seen not as on the path to healing, on the path to being better, but that he was completely healed. He was completely rid of this sickness, this leprosy. This offering that Moses had commanded represented not just a priest saying, you're clean, but when this offering was presented, it would allow the person to come back in to the worship area to really be able to worship and pray in the presence of others, but more importantly, in the presence of God. See, Jesus is about complete restoration. In my life, in your life, in the lives of everyone around us, what, no matter how known they are to us. See, Jesus didn't want to keep this quiet. He didn't, want, he didn't want this guy to just not let anybody know. He wasn't trying to be super secretive about this. Jesus knew that his healing was permanent. He knew that his healing was effective. So Jesus had no problem interacting with what the religious law was, which was really culture. He interacted with culture and told this guy to go into culture and go through these processes. Why would he tell him to do that? Because the opinion of others are really, is really that important? No, because the invitation that was made through this guy's life, when he would go stand in front of somebody clean, completely clean, a priest's eyes would look at him and he would know something has happened because there is no cure 
for what this man had. So immediately, it wasn't just about his approval. It was about the, the questioning in his mind that would begin. The process of investigation. The invitation of Jesus to say, come and see. Then, when he went back into the place of worship, that really represented reconnecting spiritually with the Lord, but also with so many other people in this individual's life. See, when, when, when we really go to Jesus with the needs that we have, with the conditions of our life, with everything about us, when we go to him, not for what he can do for us, because of what we believe that he can do. We believe in the power that he has. And we know that, number one, it's the only place that we can go. There's no other source that would offer anything to our life, any guidance and direction to our life like he does. Number two, it's the place that we must go because if he is willing, then we want to be able to give credit to him for the work in our life. Number three, we know that he is willing. We know that he does want to invite others into his story like he invites us. So we have to go expecting that God does want to use us and he does want to take our life and to put it in front of others and reconnect us and maybe connect us the, for the first time with others for, for people to be able to see the saving power of who Jesus is, the hope that really exists and lives in him. And it, it's really all through our life. It can come in the form of generosity. It can come in the form of a sickness that you have. It can come in the form of, 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 of frustration, a fear, an anxiety, a sin struggle. It, there, there's so many things that we can just simply bring before the Lord. Because, remember, this Christian life is not about us dictating to God or us even always knowing what He's going to do ahead of time. It's about having the faith that God is doing so much that there's just no other place that we can go but to Him. You know, in life, there's many times where we can convince ourselves of reasons to, to not even approach Him, not, to, not even take the time. We can convince ourselves that we are, um, we are disconnected from others and that's just the way that it's going to be. We're out, we, we, we've moved outside of our faith community, our faith family, our church, and we've, we've stepped outside of something that we used to be a part of, and there's just, there's just no going back. There's so many things that we can convince ourselves of that our enemy Satan would love for us to be convinced of. But really, for this season and this moment in our life, we have to turn away from the list that wants to convince us of why not take all of us to the Lord all of ourself, but, but what is calling us? What is beckoning me every day to say, go into the presence of the Lord, go to Jesus for what you need, go to him for guidance, go to him for direction on every single thing that you can. And this man's life argues that much of it comes down to what do I really believe that Jesus will do? What, what can he do? What does he have the ability to do? And, and, you, and you may say, okay, well, you know, for me, it's not about that. Okay, but, but I would have probably off, also offered that same excuse many times in my life. But where was the proof that I really believed it? In fact, the proof that I doubted it was in that I didn't bring anything to him. I want to encourage you this morning, wherever you are and whatever's going on, please don't consider Jesus uncaring. Please don't consider the fact that you haven't seen him work proof that he won't work. 
please take Jesus, the cross and the empty tomb, as, as the reasoning that Jesus can do anything. And for that reason, it's worth taking your kids to the Lord. It's worth taking them to Him in prayer. It's worth committing your conversations and, and your desires and everything to Him and bringing it to Him and saying, Lord, if you're willing, you'll work through these things and expecting that He will. Because I believe that nothing that has gone on in life is just completely outside the knowledge of God. Sometimes in life we suffer because it's just the consequences of sin. We, we, we sin, we do things that aren't pleasing to God, and there are consequences that are left. There's forgiveness that's available, but there's consequences that are left. But I believe even those consequences, even those are things that God is so powerful and he's so able to do something with them that, that those consequences are worth bringing to him. Everything is worth bringing to him. I would love for you to pray with me. God, thank you so much for the truth of your word. God, thank you for this day, um, this Valentine's Day that, that represents this idea of love. Lord, we see love so perfectly, so purely in the person of Jesus Christ. That even his life wasn't so valuable, his, his comfort wasn't so valuable, his authority, his, his, his holiness wasn't so valuable that he would not step into human form on this earth to live and die sacrificially for the sin that we all commit, the mistakes that we all make. God, just for the truth that he can bring us to you, that what he did is enough. And that God, the, the absence of a body in a tomb, as he came back to life in front of many of these that were Standing there as this man with leprosy bowed down, Lord, that, that, that the proof of his resurrection, the truth of his resurrection, Lord, is that we can have life in you. God, I pray that as we look at our lives that we won't imagine ourselves as the one that's so put together, the one that has it so well organized, and, and we won't live functionally a life like so many people try so hard to put out on social media and in the context of just having the image that we desire, but God, that we ourselves will look at ourselves and realize that we are really no different than this man with leprosy. We have great need and we have great fault, but we have a great Jesus that we can come to and present ourselves to with confidence in all that he can do. And that's enough. That's enough reason for every day of our life for us to go into his presence, Lord, just expecting all, God, the work that you will do. Lord, I pray if somebody's listening to this message, if they if they don't have a relationship with Jesus, that they will understand the gospel. They will be called by you and they will understand the truth of the gospel, Lord, is that they, if they believe in Jesus and confess him as Lord in prayer to you, God, that that begins their salvation. That, that, that covers the sins of their past. It promises the hope of their eternity, but it's good for the life that they live now in every way. And God, please don't allow them to just be at peace in making that decision and in, inside their own heart, but God, compel them and call them to share that with us here. As, as, as fellow believers so that we can live life together in the hope that you call us to live it in. Helping each other as we walk, hopefully, God, closer and closer with you every day. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. We want to thank you for being part of this service today. We want to thank you for watching. Um, you can give online this week. You can also give to the church by stopping by and dropping something off. 
Uh, we'll be happy to be here available to receive that. Um, but we would love to connect you in all the ways we talked about in announcements. We'd love to connect our lives together. We hope you have a great Valentine's Day. And maybe today, just as a gift, um, is enough quiet and enough uh, limited access to technology and screens for us to give to each other uh, what our lives need the most, which is just simple conversations, time, and attention. We also pray that you have those moments with the Lord this week as well. We love you. Thank you so much for watching.